Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans. Welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Podbean. This is Nate. Aaron is here with me as well. Aaron, how's it going out there? Oh, it's all right. It is. It's good. It's good. I want to, I wanna, just before we start the show today, we've got some... Uh, Going to talk some 90s wrestling today, some funny shows, TV shows, and such. But before we start the show today, I would like to tell everybody that I, I've gotten a couple of questions for our fellow Missing in Action co-host, Kyle. And um, I have had listeners inquire as to what the hell is going on. Where's Kyle? Did you guys kill him? Did you fire him? What happened? No. I just talked to Kyle this week. Kyle's been going through, through some things in his personal life and uh, those things are getting sorted out. Kyle will be making his anticipated return to the show here very soon. So, just wanted to give everybody an update that uh, he is not dead nor no longer with the show. We all have our demons, people. <laughs> and Kyle's demons are cupcakes. Just kidding, Kyle. We love you, brother. All right, so that being said, before we start our uh, topics today, which are we are going to discuss our favorite top 10, our personal favorite top 10 wrestlers of the 1990s, and we're also going to talk about our favorite funny TV shows. But is there anything else you want to discuss before we get on to our top 10 this week? Yep, I just have my bonus own top five. So we don't have to do it yet, though. Yeah. Yes, you do. You have your own. You got your own little. You, you reserved a stratosphere for yourself. Right. <laughs> well, that being said, I won't do any uh, shameless plugs yet in the show, and we will just we'll just get it started. We'll do our. We're going to do our top ten favorite pro wrestlers of the nineteen nineties, and. Um, most of these top ten. Other than maybe like the top three for me are in no particular order, but they are my ten favorites of the decade. So I did mine a little different. What's that? I did mine a little different. How's that? They're not necessarily my favorites, but they're ones that I think are like the most um, influential or popular. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Like, British Bulldog had one of my, like, from, like, he was one of my favorite 90s wrestlers, but he wouldn't be somebody that I would consider, like, you know, influential to the 1990s, so I didn't put him on there. Okay. Yeah. Well, number 10 for me, and I think you can say not only is he one of the best wrestlers of the 90s, but he is one of the most influential wrestlers of the 90s, and that is William Steven Regal. Yes. Um, I think Regal in the 90s, the 90s decade was definitely his prime decade in pro wrestling. Um, and 
I mean, if you look at the 90s as a whole, he had some of the best matches of the decade. He was one of the best performers of the decade. As far as heels go, he was definitely one of the best heels of the decade. And, I mean, I know in the late later part of the decade, he, he, he kind of succumbed to his demons for a couple of years and then rebounded in the early 2000s. But I think overall, especially, obviously, for the 90s, his WCW career, William Regal's definitely in the top ten. Match-wise, yeah, and consistency-wise, yes, I would agree with that. Even gimmick, heat, yeah. just in general. I mean, just watching William Regal, Steven Regal, mainly in the 90s is uh, a pleasure for me so and and who else could have and i'm not knocking the guy he had a feud with but who else could have got what they got out of larry zabisco at that stage of his career yeah fantastic stuff amazing stuff and then you go into the nitro era and his matches with fit finley were some of the best matches on in wcw at that during that period, so that fit Finley with his half a hockey, uh, half a hockey uh, shoulder pads and and a mullet, <laughs> <laughs> and Regal just like I said, just tearing each other up, tearing it up, and uh, being very entertaining. His reign as WCW TV champion was uh, one of the best, probably the only, I think William Regal's my second favorite WCW television champion, the first being Arn Anderson. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say uh, Renegade. <laughs> be bad. When we get to that top 10 worst wrestlers of the 90s, we'll talk about the Renegade. But the his, like I said, I mean, I, when I think of the WCW TV title, I think of, of Arn Anderson and, and, and Steven Regal. Really, that's those are the two guys I think of the most when I think of that belt. So, uh, I think of Scott Hall <laughs> pitching it in the garbage can like a he basketball. He slam dunked it. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like it's like wow, that's totally disrespectful, but really funny. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a funny scene. I don't care. It's it's funny. All right, so who is your number ten? Unless you have anything else on Mister Regal. Oh, and like I said, these guys aren't in particular order but um i'll just start and i'll pick one uh okay. razor ramon he almost made my list um and a a good pick razor ramon razor ramon last week didn't we what's that i think we talked about razor ramon last week didn't we a little bit a little bit or it might have been a couple episodes ago but we were just talking about how consistently over the guy was Mm -hmm. and like there was a time when he he was the the constant of the company of wwe of wwf in the 90s i think that's what i was gonna say when you think when you think mid 90s early to mid 90s wwf he's one of the guys that was uh, a mainstay one of the guys you think of as as the brand the new generation um one of the guys that is it's amazing the career he had in that company and the popularity he had in that company it's just one of those guys it's amazing he was never the wwf champion um it's because of you you couldn't trust him yeah well we we know that now (laughs) but back then it was always like man razor just can't win that belt he just can't win the wwf championship but 
when when Scott Hall was 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 when Scott Hall was sober, when Scott Hall was in his right mind, Scott Hall is one of the best workers of all time, psychology wise. Um, Scott Hall was drunk. He was still great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true that. <laughs> he was still awesome. And then you think about the late nineties. I mean, how can you deny the success of the NWO? You know, I mean, Scott Hall's face is one of the iconic faces of nineties wrestling, and. Uh, the ladder matches with Shawn Michaels, um, the 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 uh, he has some of the coolest ever like coming into the promotion vignettes too. Yeah, you know, hey yo, and he's also one of the guy, one of the few. There might, I mean, this could be its own list, but he might be one of the only like ten guys that the crowd turned. Yeah. <laughs> there was no Wrestlema- intention of having Razor Ramon be a babyface in Wrestle- the WWF. WrestleMania 9 against Bob Backlund. Yeah. The crowd turns on uh, on Bob. Like, uh, and uh, by the end of the year, well, maybe not by the end of the year. I don't, I don't think Bob turn- actually turned heel till 94. But um, the WWF definitely changed their tune on Razor Ramon kind of after that match. And uh, kind of soured on Mr. Backlund until they turned him heel. So that WrestleMania Nine is pivotal because I think it. I don't think that was the first time, but it was the first time that they weren't able to edit it. You know what I mean? Right. Like it was live, so they couldn't pipe in like booing and this that and the other thing. They had Mm -hmm. to just be out there with those. 10,000 people or whatever that were at WrestleMania that were like, fuck howdy doody, we like this guy. <laughs> and this is the man right here. And like I said, I think he could be in the top 10, like, you know, I don't want to say unintentional, but like, you know, I try to say like the crowd. Yeah, the crowd turned it. Turned the crowd. And also, folks, if you haven't seen it on the WWE Network, it's fun to go back if you go to the Hidden Gems him in long tights it was weird yeah it was it was just funny to think of if they would have kept those <laughs> you know like do do yeah, like it um but yeah so razor ramon at number nine or number 10 for aaron at number nine for me was also in my top 10 of the hey, eight oh. real quick so like, sure. i watched some of those hidden gem things uh-huh and i can't understand why they always ins- like not always like several of them, they insist on having people come out to that um, driving in cars with girls. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. I noticed that too. Like, why is that? Why is that your go-to? <laughs> we're gonna house. We're gonna dark match this babyface guy and see how it goes. <laughs> we're gonna bring him out to the old fucking Young Stallions song. Yeah. Or was it the Young Stallions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, driving yeah. driving in cars with girls comes on. It's like Brock Lesnar. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? But go ahead, sorry. Number nine for me of the nineties was also in my top ten of the eighties. He's the only guy who uh double decades this list for me, and that is the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. 
the the early '90s for Savage and the WWF. You know, you have some of the great shit. You got the the the, the Ultimate Warrior feud. You've got the Jake Roberts feud. You've got the Ric Flair feud, and then in then the Repo Man Hat, the Repo Man Hat feud, one of the great little mini feuds in WWF history. And then you know you move on to WCW, and and to me he was one of the shining the shining. He was, he was more entertaining than Hogan. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think, I think Flair, and I know this might be sacrilegious to you or whatever. I think Flair and Savage had a had a more entertaining feud in WCW than they did in WWF. I I don't think it's sacrilegious. I I like their WWF feud better, but I will say that their feud in WCW was the best thing of WCW '95. Like I thought it was more, I thought it was more of a give and take feud than it was in the WWF. Yeah. Yeah, because other than other than the uh, other than the time that Flair beat Savage at a house show or whatever for the title in the WWF feud, pretty much Savage went over all the time. Um, whereas you're right in, in WCW, they kind of traded back and forth, and and Flair beat up his dad and mm-hmm. took his old lady and like yeah, I liked the WWF one. I I liked I just, the... I just watched WrestleMania eight today and I loved the whole. We're gonna put the centerfold up and fire fake like the pictures and all mm-hmm. that stuff. The only thing she's wearing is a staple. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that that was all good shit. You so. you haven't been beat up properly yet. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in promo history. His face is insane, <laughs> and he's got his shirt, his his top tights all ripped up, and That's but yeah, good. I mean you. you I don't know that anybody can deny that Savage is one of the better, you know, better better performers of both the '80s and the '90s. So that's why I put him put him on my list for both. All right. And your number nine. So these aren't in, like I don't want to say this guy's number nine. Mm-hmm. Just, he's just the next guy I'm going to bring up, and it's Big Van Vader. Absolutely. Vader was the uh, one of the top two big men of the '90s. Him and to me, Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Um, Vader changed the game, man. Mm-hmm. In ways, and he was something that when he came in, you had never seen anything like him before. I remember as a youngster being absolutely fascinated. Like, um, I know we've said it on the show before. But as we grew up and as time went on, Aaron was always more, he was the NWA, WCW guy, and I was the WWF guy. I was a, a staunch WWF guy. And Vader was one of the things about, and I always watched WCW. And WWF, but I, I I leaned toward the WWF. But Vader was one of those things about WCW that really really intrigued me and differentiated them from the WWF. Um, from when he first came into WCW, um, all the way through until he encountered the political machinations of Hulk Hogan. Um, Vader was Vader was WCW, and he's one of those few guys that. You're like, man, you were so much better off in WCW than you were in the WWF. Yep. 
and uh, he had he had fantastic feuds matches with Sting, Cactus Jack, um, multiple people. Until the Myrtle Turtles from the WWF showed up in WCW. Tell me a time that Vader had a bad match at WCW. He really didn't. Um, yeah, really. I mean, you can't you can't pinpoint one. I'm sure there were some. You know, uh, there were probably. I, I can't. Okay, I can't say from all the major shows I've seen that he had a bad match. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were some stinkers on Saturday night, or you know what I mean. Well, when, when it would start to something. suck, you just start to beat the you shit out. Be, of just beat the fuck out of the guy, yeah, and then it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, he was like the singles version of the road warriors yeah absolutely yeah like if if they're not getting what they want and the guy doesn't want to do what he wants you're just gonna do what he wants you're gonna do it you're gonna do it whether you want to or not buddy yeah realistic matches and um just an awe-inspiring presence with vader and I don't know if, other than maybe Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant and Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect, I don't know if there's, like, a manager and a wrestler that goes together better than Van Vader and Harley Race. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, Paul Bear and The Undertaker. Yeah, but you know no, what I, like, I know what that's you mean. Different, that's a different thing. Harley Race was, Harley, old Harley Race was meant to be Vader's manager. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were fantastic together as, as a unit and they, the one, not just where they, did they look the way they looked together? Not only did they have the chemistry that they had together, but because Harley was such a master of the craft, Harley, whether, whether it be interference, whether it be just taking a bump or something like that, every Vader match, Harley race was a part of the match as well. Yeah. He was always, you know, somehow he took a shot or he gave a shot or, or doing something. shit that he should not be doing. Yes. Then, like, <laughs> like, there's a match where he goes to, like, try to headbutt Sting and Sting moves and, like, like Harley, like, hits the, hits the, <laughs> the ramp. It's like, why are you bumping onto the ramp, Harley? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, like, Vader would just wind up winning and by the time it was over, like, like Harley's shirt would be all ripped up or whatever, and Vader would just be leaving like, yeah, <laughs> and it was all good shit. And Vader was like ten times better when he like when he was able to like start talking shit, mm-hmm. you know. And, and yeah, I remember I just, the first time he talked. He talked to Ricky Steamboat, and he was like, "They ain't nothing but put between you and me, but air, brother." Yeah, <laughs> man, it's all good shit, man. I love Vader. All right, next on my list, Owen Hart. Owen Hart almost made my list, and I and I can say why he almost made my list because I was saying about like tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like the '90s tag team wrestling took a nosedive, but I don't think there was a tag team wrestler more consistent than Owen Hart. No, absolutely not. Not in the nineties. Not not for the not full decade, no. And and that's why I that's why he almost made my list, but 
I was I was kind of dwindling it down to like single stars, and mm-hmm. I don't I I'm not saying Owen Hart didn't have a great singles career, but in the '90s I look at Owen Hart as a tag team wrestler. I I I go like a great to tag team wrestler. Right. But a tag team wrestler. I I I. I agree with you as far as tag team wrestling goes, but I just the 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 feud with Brett is one of my favorite feuds ever. And the every Owen didn't do Owen never he's one of the few wrestlers in the history of the business that never did anything I didn't like. Everybody, almost everybody, has been involved in something I didn't like. Owen, and and this this uh, this could be a combination of of his booking, or it could be a combination of his booking or him making bad things good, and I just never noticed they were bad. But yeah. I can't I can't name one thing that Owen did that I didn't like. I mean, because I would say probably to me the least the least interesting thing he did in his whole run in the 90s was his feud with Triple H and China. But that's still fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those things that should have been Owen and Sean, but they were headed into WrestleMania, and, you know, you had Austin going over and, and stuff. So The unsuspected thing is Steve Austin came up. So. Right. But, I mean, other than that, just, yeah, consistency. I mean, Owen Owen gets in there for me for consistency. Consistency in performance, consistency in promos and being entertaining. And so he gets... Which, the... is, which is why, like, you know, part of me was, like, wanting to put Bulldog on there. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, Bulldog was consistently, until he got to WCW. Right. The whole screw job that he was... Cons- and I'm not going to take two years away from somebody off their... their you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But Davey was consistently great too, and then I thought about it some more. And I was like, Davey was consistently great, and a bunch of that was as a tag team person. And I shouldn't say a bunch of it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So that's the main reason Owen didn't make my list. If we, if you would have said uh, best '90s tag teams, Owen Hart would have been in like four of my tag teams. Right. So. <laughs> All right. So who's next for you? Uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. And he almost made my list because I I enjoy Ray's '90s work more than any other decade that he was involved in. Um, but go ahead. Ray brought something to television in the '90s that was completely and totally different than mm-hmm. anything anybody had seen before that would have been like, you know, me, which in 96 or 95, 96 would have been what, like 13 years old. Right. You know, I wasn't watching Lucha Libre. I didn't have Lucha Libre on my television living in the North end of Toledo. So when Ray Mysterio showed up, I was like, Holy fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Where the fuck has he been? And, and you see, and like, I almost vividly remember the first time the guy came out, and I'm like, what is this little guy going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you saw what he was going to do, and you're like, oh, my God, this is some of the greatest shit I've ever seen in my life. And and I remember watching, like, WCW, and I'm not knocking the people, you know, but, like, there's, like, 
Alabamians just sitting out in a crowd, and here comes this little Mexican guy in a mask, and you can tell they want to hate it before he even gets in the ring, you know? And by the time it was done, they were just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what, is, what are these guys doing? And and I had very little understanding of what Lucha Libre was, and Rey Mysterio brought it out there and showed it. Well, and and like it's like people give Eric Bischoff a bunch of shit and say, oh well, he stole it from ECW. Well, you know what? I I didn't see ECW. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's part of the thing that WCW brought to professional wrestling, and and WCW actually helped broaden my horizons of professional wrestling because like a Jushin Liger would show up. And then you're like, oh, Jushin Liger, I want to look into this some more. And then you read in the magazines, and you do this, and you do that. And, and WWF wasn't doing that. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, not to get off on a whatever. No, that's fine. But I think Rey Mysterio, if it wouldn't have been for Rey Mysterio, I don't think the cruiserweight, div- I think the cruiserweight, cruiserweight division would have been a thing. But I don't think it would have been a big, as big of a thing as it was. Well, and you can tell me if you think this comparison is wrong. I've made it before in, in other circles and stuff. And, and sometimes it, it, it gets a thumbs up and sometimes it gets a thumbs down. Sometimes it depends on the audience you're talking to. But for 90s wrestling, American wrestling, I would almost equate Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero to Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask. Yeah. You know, they brought they brought something a, a believable yet high-risk style to people that they hadn't seen before and opened their eyes to something what wrestling can be that you're not watching now. And and I know you're not as big of a fan of it as I am, but even more so than I shouldn't even say more so, but it's cuz it's a different type of deal. But I enjoyed, um, in a lot of ways, Ray versus Dean more than I liked Eddie versus Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They had they had fantastic matches too. And then, um, Ray... like you take like like eight, um, Ray Mysterio, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, and Psychosis. Mm-hmm. Psychosis doesn't get enough praise. No. He, but he, those are like the guys that I think when I was watching it, like I was like, these are the guys that are going to be like, they're the guys that got me into the cruiserweights and to us and to a certain extent, Ultimo dragon. Yeah. You know, but he but, came on a little later Yeah, and I never looked at, and I know he was kind of in it, but I always thought of Ben, like when I look at Benoit, like the minute I saw Benoit, I didn't, I, I didn't think all oh, these guys are cruiser. Like, I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Because he was like the same size as like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, it's just he's kind of like that. Um, but that, I look at him like every time I see him, I don't think of, I think of Eddie Guerrero. I think of Chris Benoit as like a heavyweight wrestler. And I'm not comparing their wrestling ability at all before before I make this statement, folks. I'm not comparing their wrestling ability all, at all because Benoit was a thousand times better. But when you say that, I understand what you're saying because when I watch WWE now. 205 live i don't see i can't i just can't visualize tony niece 
as a cruiserweight. That's kind of that what you're saying about Benoit. You know, he's so muscular and thick. You know what I mean? Like he's he, also the way he carried himself. You yeah, know? yeah. Like I see that Tony Nese guy, and I'm like, this guy's good. But I don't. When I see him, I don't see a cruiserweight, even though he's smaller. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. I just think Ray. Definitely a revolutionary. Revolutionized, revolutionized professional wrestling. Speaking of revolutionizing. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Okay. The next guy on my list also revolutionized. And if one guy can say he had a fantastic decade in the 1990s and, and, and entertained the hell out of all of us. And that huh. is Mick Foley, Cactus Jack. Oh, he was on my list, so I'll scratch him off. Cactus. I had him listed as Mankind, so I don't know if that counts or not. It's all the same dude. Cactus is one of the if it, Cactus is one of the, the greatest stars of the 90s in wrestling. Yes. He is, you know, from, from WCW um, being something completely different there. To I mean, top five promos of the 1990s. Top top five things in wrestling that aren't wrestling in the 1990s are Mick Foley's anti-hardcore stuff in ECW. That's the best stuff ECW ever did, in my opinion. That that whole angle and those promos and everything is is my favorite shit ever in ECW. And then, of course, the WWF run. Um, I don't know that anybody can deny that Mick Foley isn't one of the top wrestlers of the 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, um, he he was consistently great, and he was... I don't, I don't know. He was a guy that... Like, everywhere he went, nobody saw anything in him. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't say nobody. Like, the people in charge, like, the main people in charge... Didn't see it. saw anything in him. Right. And, and he went out there and did his shit and made them go, holy shit, I see something in this guy. Mm-hmm. And, like... Like Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon wanted nothing to do with that guy. <laughs> sleazy pal. Even when they talked to him, he wanted nothing to do with that guy. I thought he looked sleazy and trashy, and and um, I think the only guy that really ever, before Vince McMahon really took hold of him and did something with him, like Bill Watts. Bill Watts saw something in Mick Foley, mm-hmm. you know. But other than that, he and and obviously Paul Heyman and Jim Ross. I know, but Jim but, Ross wasn't in charge. No, okay. You know, yeah. I'm talking like the guy, the guy, mm-hmm. the Grand Puma, the big man in charge. Like <laughs> he was always just like Jim Hurd didn't see anything in it. If Jim Hurd saw something in Mick, in Mick Foley, Mick Foley would have been wrestling fucking Norman the Lunatic, right? Or he wouldn't have been job in the mill Mascaris. Flair mm-hmm. didn't see anything in him. Fucking Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff didn't see anything in him. Paul Heyman saw something in him, obviously, but they were wrestling in front of like 500 people, and Paul Heyman also saw something in the public enemy. 
Well, and he is also his. W- and I'm not comparing those guys, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. His WWF run is one of those things that is one of the. How do I want to say this? It's one of the the happy consequences of Vince getting his ass kicked in the Monday Night War. Because if Vince never would have been getting his ass kicked, Mick Foley never would have gotten a job there, I don't think. And he never would have caught Vince's eye, you know? Yeah. Like, Vince would have always just looked at him as fat, fat, fat cactus jack that looks sleazy and I don't want him in my company. But because he was up against the fucking, you know bankruptcy or whatever and had to had to get any talent he could it gave Mick Foley a chance to get in and then it gave Vince McMahon a chance to actually see the talent that he had in front of him and the guy like the human the man himself yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah I'll give him Mick Foley so who you got uh, he's a man <laughs> And he's called Sting. I almost put Sting on my list. It's funny because I actually bumped Sting for Regal because I enjoy Regal's matches more. Um, but I'll give you Sting. Sting was, uh, well, I mean, quite frankly, from what, when Flair left in 91... Until Flair came back in '93, <laughs> I mean, other than I mean, obviously there was Rick Rude and there was there was Vader, but I mean, was, uh, Ron Simmons was in there. Well, okay, I, and I love was, I love I love Ron Simmons. Okay, I, I think Ron Simmons. Sting. Yes, but and I was also going to say that what I was going to say was Sting was, to be perfectly honest, the babyface that kept WCW afloat. Yeah. Because it wasn't going to be Luger. And Ron Simmons was... Ron Simmons was and is fantastic. But he... I don't... I've never... I don't think Ron Simmons is the top guy. And I'm not... You were just like naming off like the champions there. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just saying... I was... I was... You know, Sting is... For if you if you were early '90s, if you were watching wrestling in the early '90s, essentially Sting was WCW when Flair wasn't around. Yeah, everybody else comes and goes. Sting's the constant. And there's people that, in some circles, like hate on him. You know, and say that he was like a marginal wrestler. I don't think I don't think Steve Broden was a marginal wrestler. I think that. Um. No, he wasn't a marginal wrestler. He, okay, and that, that's the thing too is I've, I've, I I know for a fact people have said that. Why well, no? But those are also the same people that want to tell me that I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example um, without offending anybody. Like I'm not saying like Sting is one of the top ten professional wrestlers of all time. Sting would probably be in my top like twenty five, but in the nineteen nineties, like he was, he well, was the shit man. That and he put asses in seats, and that's really what counts. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can, and it, it, I don't know, I don't, I really don't understand people that would dog his wrestling ability. To be honest, I mean, he was Sting was Sting a 
Ricky Steamboat? No, he was not Ricky Steamboat. But he but, definitely wasn't a Jim Hellwig. Right. I mean, no. It's like uh, he's no Ricky Steamboat. Well, nobody's a Ricky fucking Steamboat. You know, there's 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 Ricky Steamboat, and then and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, and then there's every fucking buddy else and Randy Savage. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, and and he's like. Like I like I've seen him have bad match. I, I was almost gonna say, well, I've never seen him have like it's just a shit match. But I've seen him have some shit matches, but he wasn't the reason it was a shit match. Right, right. And and even that, like the guy fucking entertains me. Like I don't I don't ever remember a time where I didn't find Sting entertaining. I'm the great white. That shit was stupid. He laughed at himself. You know. Or when he's like with Booker T and he's like, I'm a straight up OG. You're the guy in the world, man. Probably I'm I'm gonna be honest, the only the only period of Sting's career that I don't like is when he was in the Wolf Pack. Well that was stupid. Yeah. And I mean that's the time when nobody like WCW was stupid. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't even like Kevin Nash when he was in the Wolf Pack. The wolf pack was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I will definitely give you Sting. He's uh I don't know. I for like, all, for all I, this if, for all if I wanna if I, I, I know a long, long time ago we talked about like sitting down and having somebody that's never seen wrestling and you want to show them something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily show this like a non-wrestling fan this, but like say somebody that's a new wrestling fan or, Oh, I've been watching for X amount of years. And this is what I know. Mm-hmm. I would say, have you ever seen Sting versus Ric Flair from clash of the champions one? And they're like, no, like, well, you're going to sit down and you're going to watch this because this is what a wrestling match is. Right. Would you like to watch the emergence of a wrestling star? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this kid at work. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. Okay. So are we recording? Yep. All right. Um, this kid at work, we were talking about professional wrestling and he was talking about um, like stuff in Japan. Because that's all the rage right now or whatever. And I understand it. And he's like, so-and-so just hauled off and kicked this guy right in the head. And it's one of the best kicks I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, well, I understand that. But that's not professional wrestling. Professional wrestling is the art of making it look like you kicked a guy in the head. But you didn't. (laughs) But you didn't. And he proceeded to tell me that the greatest wrestling movie of all time is Ready to Rumble. Whoa. <laughs> and I said, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> and I, I like you and you do good work for me, but you're fucking wrong about that. And then he's like, well, what other greatest movie is there wrestling-wise? I'm like, well, there's Grunt. There's The Wrestler. There's Body Slam. There's just all these great wrestling movies 
And he's like, well, this movie has like Goldberg and DDP and Perry Saturn and Drunk Mean Gene. Like, it's fucking trash. <laughs> Rumble is trash. But anyway, we're talking some more. And we were talking about professional wrestlers. And I said, you know, probably my three favorite professional wrestlers of all time are Ric Flair, who's my number one, Bret Hart, and probably Steve Austin. Mm. Okay. Would be my, 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 and I'd put Ricky Steamboat in there. Anyway, I'm just talking about, like, you know, like, it's Brett and Ric Flair, and then, like, three, four, and five are interchangeable, depending on my mood. You know what I mean? Right. So I was like, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? And he's like, you want my goat? I was like, yeah, who's your goat? You know what he said? No. Bill Goldberg. Oh. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Bill Goldberg, Bill seems, Goldberg. Like, seems like a genuinely nice guy. Very fine fellow. But definitely not. But. A great professional wrestler. But that, that dude was entertained by Goldberg. So that can be his favorite wrestler of all time. And it's fine that it, I told him. It is fine that that's your favorite professor wrestler of all time. However. But wrong. <laughs> he is not the GOAT. He can be your favorite, but he's not the GOAT. You know what I mean? Yes. And just like Ric Flair is my favorite professional wrestler of all time, but Ric Flair's not the GOAT. Shawn Michaels is the GOAT. <laughs> But he's not my favorite wrestler of all time. Right. But I don't think... But you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But I don't know why I went off on that tangent. Oh, it would be like, you know, I'd tell this kid, you know, hey, you want to tell me you want to tell me that Goldberg is the greatest wrestler of all time? Well, sit down and watch this Sting and Ric Flair match. And after you watch that, you're going to tell me that Goldberg's any better than these guys? He's not. <laughs> he's not. You know what I mean? He's not. He's not better than these two guys. And, and <clears throat> so what I'm trying to get at is that I don't think, and the weird part is we're talking about late '90s wrestlers, and I know that that match didn't happen. Partic- was it 1990? Or was it 89? 89. Actually, 88. 88. 88. So, anyway, because it, it was against WrestleMania we, we four. Go, we were going off on like you know people saying this thing wasn't. You can edit most of this out. <laughs> like we were, we were just talking about how like people say that. Sting wasn't that great in the ring, and Sting was, Steve Rodin was fantastic in the ring. I think, I, I think he's underrated. He was everything but, that he needed to be every time he got in the ring. Like if and, he would, that's all if, you can ask. If he would have went to the WWE at the same time that Jim Helwig went to the WWE or WWF, I don't think Jim Jim Helwig would have had a career. Probably not, because <laughs> you would have had you would have had an Ultimate Warrior that could go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he would have been like a fucking he would have been like the third member of the Powers of Pain or something. <laughs> and Hulk Hogan would have been smart enough to look at it and go like, you know what? I can either have a really, 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 really good match with Steve Roden, or I gotta have this fucking fart in church with the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> 
But you can you can edit out that shit I said about the kid at work. But I'm just saying, like, I think Sting, because I kind of lost my train of thought because you had to pee or whatever. But I think I think Sting should be regarded as one of one of the best wrestlers of the '90s and one of the top 25 wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. Now, next on my list is a guy that, if you're talking box office, would rank number one in the 90s. Um, But I just have him ranked here uh, ambiguously at number six. And, of course, we're talking about Steve Austin. He was number one on my list. The biggest name in the history of professional wrestling, hands down. I mean, eh, him and Hogan. If you're talking just general mainstream celebrity, the two biggest in the history of the business. And Austin's 90s was not just being Stone Cold. He had a fantastic pre-Stone Cold career in WCW as a heel. Steve was fantastic all across the board. In In WCW, he had... Great matches, great feuds. Um, his matches with Dustin Rhodes or something that you'd want to show somebody and say this is, like, you know, a textbook great professional wrestling feud and great matches. Um, he had, honestly, he had good matches with Johnny B. Bad in WCW. He had, um, him and Brian Pillman were one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Mm-hmm. And their feud with uh, with Steamboat and Douglas was um, fantastic. Was fantastic. And they have a great tag team cage match, Slamboree. Mm-hmm. And and Ricky comes. Is that the one where Ricky comes out with the humongous head on? Or no, that's no, not the cage match. That's that's the, the one, one where, where they're, they're in the masks, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, Shane Douglas got hurt. Yes. And that's technically not even Shane Douglas in that match. It's uh, I believe they replaced him with Tom Zank. Did you know that? I did not. Yes. I believe it was Tom Zank. Um that's why they did the like Dos Sombreros or whatever mm-hmm. they were. And until WrestleMania twenty five uh, Austin had the, the Ricky Steamboat's last match with him and a feud, and that was fantastic. And should we even? We've probably already elaborated enough in the in the in the archives of the show, but passing that WCW stuff. I mean, do we really even need to talk about the Stone Cold era in the WWF? We don't have to, but I mean, it it goes without saying, you know. Some of the most entertaining, high-drawing, amazing pro wrestling TV ever produced was produced involving Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes. So who's next for you? Hold on, sorry. Hmm. Yes, it was Tom Zank. I was just making sure I was right. Tom Zank was next for you? No. (laughs) I know. He was part of Dos Sombreros. Um, the next guy on my list for biggest stars or best stars of the 1990s is a man from 
Georgia, and his name is Marcus Bagwell. <laughs> and a chill filled the room. Yeah, yeah. It was Marcus Bagwell. <laughs> it was The Rock. The Rock. The most electrifying superstar of all time. The Rock is um, right up there with Stone Cold um, as probably the biggest wrestling star of the 90s as far as mainstream popularity goes. And, I mean... He was he was almost not on my list, and there's only one reason. Hmm. And it was because it was, like, I was like, man, he really started hitting his stride in, like, 98... You know? right, right, and but then I was like, man, he still, because like when I put like, like I had to scratch Steve Austin on my list, but I looked at the fact that Steve Austin had started in like '88 and went through, so he had like a '90s career, and I was like, yeah, man, Rock only had the tail end of the '90s, but what he did in the tail end of that '90s was the end of a lightning bolt. Rocking rocket busters over what a lot of other people did, so that's why he's on my list. The Rock he is didn't make it. That's what I was gonna say too. The Rock is amazing when you think about the fact that, all right, he he debuted in '96. He hit his stride in '98. He he essentially stopped wrestling full time in 2002. So that man. In from '98 to 2002, that if you think about that, a four-year like on-top wrestling career, and it's regarded as one of the best careers of all time. That's fucking amazing. It's amazing. You know, you think about Hulk Hogan or Steve Austin or Mick Foley or Triple H or any of these guys that have that have been top guys in wrestling or Rick Flair or Harley Race it was just their careers spanned 20 plus years and then there's The Rock who has yeah. this is this capsuled for pretty much 4 years on top of the business and it feels like an entire 20 year wrestling career yep and that's amazing it's amazing yes um time's a crazy thing <laughs> And as you get older, it gets shorter. But anyway, <laughs> next on next on my list. No, oh, I'm sorry. Five on my list is uh, the Dead Man, the Undertaker. Oh, okay. The Undertaker yeah. is off my list. A much like Sting with WCW and the WWF through the 90s, the Undertaker was the constant. You know, the WWF went through a lot of changes. In the 90s, you know, you go from Hogan to Hart to Austin. I mean, there's just, there, there's a lot of change. Michaels, there's a lot of change on top. But The Undertaker's always there right underneath. And yes, in the 90s, he had some stinker feuds and some stinker matches. But that wasn't his fault. He was always a consistent worker. And, and always a good draw. And um, like I said, I mean, if you look at the 1990s, the the one constant in the WWF is the Undertaker. Oh yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of why he he ranked. Cause I mean, honestly, yeah, I'd have to move it once we do a top ten of the 2000s. Spoiler alert: he'll definitely be in there because 
it, it moved into the th- 2000s when he got a chance to show off his abilities and, and have some really fantastic matches. Um, he was kind of limited by his gimmick in the 90s, um, but definitely on my list. Yep. Me too. All right. Oh, he There's was not a lot you can say that hasn't already been said or everybody already knows. Right. Um, the next guy on my list, and I only have one more after this, and I'm sure you'll mark him off. It at Not this guy necessarily, and I might mark this guy off your list, is Bret Hart. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was number two on my list. Bret Hart epitomizes 90s wrestling. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like, And both ways. Like, he was, like, the best babyface of the 1990s. And then in, in the late 90s, he was the best heel. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, like, 1997, I got screwed. Bret Hart is a great heel. Right. Well, he might it... be one of the greatest heels of all time. And in, and in the early 90s, he was, he he did exactly what needed to, like, he, he, he presented himself exactly the way that the WWF mm-hmm. wanted him to present himself. And... <laughs> People can say what they want to say, and I know I've said it. The guy's an egotist. He's he's very egotistical about himself. But you can't deny when you look at like the little kids in India running behind the car, mm-hmm. and his popularity in Canada, and how over he was in Germany, and people lining up to see him in Europe. Bret Hart was an international star, and it may just be. Because of the age that we were when he was in his prime. But the crazy thing about it is, and I think about, I've thought about this before. Okay, the 1990s was a very, very weird era in wrestling. In the, and we lived through, in our opinion, and every, you know, other people probably think they lived through the great. I really do think that for wrestling, we lived through the greatest and most interesting decade in pro wrestling history. Yeah. And because there was so much change and there was so much, it was so, you know, you started the, you started the decade without the internet. You ended the decade with the internet. You started the decade with, with, without a Monday night war. You ended the decade with a Monday night war. Uh, People changing, you know, leaving companies, going back and forth. The the funny thing about the nineties to me or in my brain, in my wrestling brain is we, it started off with Hulkamania. It ended with uh, the Austin era, the Attitude era. But to me, the icon, one of the two most iconic, the, the two most iconic faces in wrestling of the '90s. One of them is Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, even though he was technically the transition between those two eras. To, to me, when I think '90s WWF, he's one of the first two people that come to mind. And even when I know his WCW run, and that's gonna be something I'll talk about in a little bit. Like when he was in WCW, and he was a heel. 
like it wasn't the best storylines in the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the guy Bret Hart, like when he was out there, at least he was a fantastic heel. Oh yeah, because he was just out there and he was not hiding the fact that he was just he hated it, <laughs> frustrated and hated this shit. He would ninety percent of the time he'd just have that shit eating grin on his face, yeah, like hey, I'm get I'm getting a paycheck. Paycheck <laughs> and this is fucking stupid and fuck this place. And like you said, Bret Hart might not be overall and, and we we're biased because again, our our formidable years of the nineties, he might not be the greatest heel of all time. I think he is, but he might not be. But I don't think anybody can deny that he is the best heel of the 90s. Yeah. I mean, and that's including Ric Flair. That's including Hollywood Hogan. And I'm not taking anything away from those guys at all. But Bret Hart's heel run in 97 is the best heel run of the 1990s, hands down. Yep. It's fucking fantastic. Like, that's that's my favorite shit (laughs) to watch. Like... 97 Heart Foundation is like my favorite shit to watch. Yeah. So, it's good stuff. Yes. So I definitely yeah. agree with you on Brett. And like I said, for me, he was numero dos for the 90s. You got one more? I have actually three more. How do you have three more? I only have one. I don't, I don't know. Process of elimination. Uh... <laughs> Oof. Um, the next one for me. Much like you had with Rey Mysterio in the late 90s and the impact that he had, the guy that I have in that position kind of is Eddie Guerrero. And there's not really a whole lot more to be said for Eddie other than the same things that were said for Rey. I think that Eddie and Rey revolutionized the, the business in the United States in the late 90s. Yep. Um. Eddie was, you know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It just, if I keep going, I'm just going to keep echoing what we said earlier when we talked about Ray. But it's pretty much the same premise. You know, these two guys, no matter who they were in the ring with, whether it was each other or other people, um, they just, they brought something to, I mean, they brought something to wrestling we didn't, we here in the States had not seen. So that's all. (laughs) Um, and then you have one more and I have two more. So let me do one and then we'll see. Cause I think we might agree on what the last one is. The only other guy I had other than my first, my number one was, uh, Kurt Henning. See, like, I didn't put him on mine because, like, he had that match with Brett at SummerSlam 91, mm-hmm. and then he had to walk away. And then he came back a little bit in 93, and then when he got to WCW, I inter- I enjoyed him, but he wasn't... Like, now here's what I, here, on fire. You here, know what I'm saying? Here, here's what I say I will say is why he's on my list for the 90s because again although maybe I mean his intercontinental title run 
which to me is, you know, a lot of people discuss what's the, to me, Kurt, Mr. Perfect, no matter how long, short, whatever it was, Mr. Perfect's title run, Intercontinental title run, to me, is the most iconic tit- Intercontinental title run ever. That happened in the early 90s. And yeah. then he is, he is um, you know, helping out guys. He's, he's bringing guys up like Shawn Michaels and Lex Luger and et cetera, et cetera, in, the, in, the, in 93. And then in WCW, in WCW, again, like I said to everybody, back then when I was a teenager, and, you know, when you're a teenager, you don't look at the whole big picture. I was always a WWF guy, no matter how bad it was, no matter how bad business was down. But in WCW, Kurt Henning was always the most one of the most entertaining things in that company, even when it was a shithole in, like, the dying days, the Vince Rousseau era. Kurt Henning was was to me one of the best wrestlers of the '90s because I think that especially that early '90s, you know, run with Hogan and the Intercontinental Title and all of that, just that to me is his his '90 his early '90s career is, is an iconic thing for me personally. Yeah. So that's why he's on my list. Okay. And then I think uh, our last guy, we both agree who it might be, unless you're going to pull a. Uh, goon out of your <laughs> pocket or something. No. Shawn Michaels? Oh, that's weird. I was going to say Shawn Michaels. Oh, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say is, like I was talking about earlier with all the big stars that 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 faded away in the 90s and then came up in the 90s, the two faces that I associate most with 90s wrestling are Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Mine came down to either Shawn Michaels or Mantar. <laughs> well, Jim Cornette did manage him. That's something. Yeah. But anyway, Shawn Michaels. My personal favorite professional wrestler of all time. And, um, I mean... Can anybody deny, no matter what they think about Shawn Michaels as a person at that time, can anybody deny the fantastic, fantastic worker that Shawn Michaels was? Ever. No. Like, if anybody ever tried to say Shawn Michaels isn't... I know everybody's not like me and isn't going to say he's the greatest wrestler of all time. But if anybody could ever say... He's not one of the great one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and definitely one of the greatest wrestlers of the 90s then they are full of shit. I agree. Shawn Michaels, did Shawn Michaels ever like even in his bad days, even when he was fucked up all the time and being an asshole and drugs and all the stuff he's already admitted, have you ever seen a bad Shawn Michaels match? I haven't. I'd have to go back and research, but I don't. I can't think of one like right off the top of my head. I've seen some ridiculous Shawn Michaels matches, <laughs> like Jimmy Delray. <laughs> well, like his match with Hulk Hogan is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but he did that on purpose. I know, but I'm just saying, it's still <laughs> ridiculous. That, that's how to bury an icon in that match. Shawn Michaels like, well, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that match is ridiculous. 
Uh, and is you know what? No, not even that one. I was gonna say like my le- probably my least favorite Shawn Michaels match is his match with Chris Masters. Yeah, it was pretty butt, but it was still good because it was Shawn Michaels. One of my favorite Shawn Michaels moments is when he's locked in the ankle lock and he just keeps the lollipop in his mouth the whole time. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> hey, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I love that shit. But yeah, from, from bell to bell, match to match, Shawn Michaels. Um, so is he your favorite 90s wrestler? He'd be my he'd be in my top one or two. Yes. Okay. Interchangeable with, with Brett. With Brett. Yeah. All right. So we're we're actually in agreement there because they were my they were my two. I like two them one. equally for different reasons. If that makes sense. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well, there it is. Top ten wrestlers of the nineties. We are going to uh, take a quick break here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. It was a fun countdown. And uh, when we return, we are going to talk comedic TV shows, and we are also going to have a bonus Aaron, Aaron, we're going to call it the uh, Stratosphere. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. If you have your own thing you're going to do, we're going to call it the Stratosphere, like Dusty Rhodes would say. Or you could just say, Aaron's about to bonus. <laughs> That being said, we'll be right back with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast after this. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And I just want to remind you quickly, as uh, we come back on the show, uh, before we go into our talk of funniest television shows our favorite television, funny television shows of all time. Want to remind you to uh, like and share our Facebook page. Let people know about the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Right now, there is actually a contest going on. If you uh, like and share the page, you will get entered into a drawing, a drawing, to uh, win an Al Snow vinyl figure. And also, um, that drawing will be on March 30th. I'll actually do that drawing that day. And uh, when you win, we'll ship that out to you. Also, want to remind you that you can listen to the show on any of your favorite podcast apps. No matter which one you're listening to it on now, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Podbean, any podcast app that you want to listen to us on, you can listen to us on. Except Podcast. Podcast one, because they are fuck those guys. Yeah, fuck those guys. They, you know, you got to have like fifty million downloads or something to get on there. But whatever. Who um, said this? <laughs> Don't touch me, man. <laughs> Who said that? I see it in my head. It was on Robocop. It was Ray Wise. <laughs> yes. When his buddy gets all those chemicals dumped on him. <laughs> don't touch me, and he's man. Like, he's like, nah. And like Ray Wise is like, don't touch me, man. <laughs> it cracks me up. Fantastic. Sorry. 
We were just talking off air about the greatness of Ray Wise. He's yes. amazing. And also want to remind you to uh, go ahead and click on the links that we put on our Facebook page to support Jerry Gray, who is currently battling stage four cancer. His GoFundMe is available, and uh, anything you can give to the great Jerry Gray is greatly appreciated from us here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast and Jerry himself. So just want to remind you of that. And also next week, next week on next week's show, We'll be talking about um, a couple other things that are going on with the podcast as well. So anyway, that being oh, what? Well, we're gonna next week. We'll talk about the uh, the other podcasts that is letting us co-promote with them. Oh yeah, and we'll also talk about a um, a wrestling show coming up in our local area that is letting us co-promote with them as well. Okay. So we'll talk about that next week. But right now, let's talk about funny TV shows. For our wrestling top ten, I went first, so I'll let you go first. We're talking about our top five funniest TV shows of all time. This one I could not put in order because actually the list was really hard to make, to be perfectly honest. If I did honorable mentions, I'd have like 20 of them. But yeah. um, so, so let, I'm doing my list or just one and then you're doing one? No, we'll go. We'll go one for one. Okay. Um, these aren't in any particular order except the last one that I'm going to mention, unless you scratch it off my list. So the first one I'm going to go with is Married with Children. Fucking funny as shit. Would have been on my list. Like I said, I had like twenty that didn't make it. Married with Children is so funny and so could not be made today. Yes. <laughs> It is, um, I almost honestly put All in the Family on my list, mm -hmm. but I took it off there in place of something else, which I'll mention in a minute, but it is, it's a different style of the humor, you know? Right. Like, it's a little, but it is the, it's like the 80s, 90s equivalent of the 70s All in the Family. Yes. Push every boundary you possibly can. And obviously they were a little more blue, you know, mm -hmm. and a little more sexually oriented with the humor and stuff. But it was the time, you know what I mean? Like, like basically what All in the Family did with racism, where they talked about that part of it, like you could just replace that with um, like boobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? With, with Mary with Children. But it was essentially the same show. And, like, he had these two idiot kids that he did not want in his house. And his wife was, in his opinion, just dumb and worthless. And even though she wasn't. And and I, at the end of, like, I, I just think Mary with Children is a fantastic show. You can't live with them. But he can't hurt them all he in hurt Canada. Them Canada. <laughs> my favorite. One of my favorite. He goes to that one. And he like brings them all like the women's liberal, like the women's lib thing, and he like brings them mustache combs. <laughs> you know, like one of the one of my favorite non-vocal uh, Al Bundy things ever is when Peggy's just yammering on and on and on, and he turns to her with the remote control and he tries, tries to mute her. <laughs> 
good so shit. Funny. It, so it's funny. a funny. It's a funny show. It is. And a lot of people, like I said, they 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 wanted to pan it and say that it was like you know the bottom of the barrel humor, but it wasn't. It was just a very funny show. And I'll tell you this, folks: if you don't, if you don't, if you're a younger listener and you don't read and you don't know. A lot of people give Fox's success credit to early on The Simpsons, the Tracy Ullman show in The Simpsons. But actually before that, Married with Children was Fox's staple. And it was funny. Yes. It was consistently it, funny. It was the first it, yeah, it was the like I said it was the first show that Fox had that was like its franchise show. And it lasted what? 9, 10 years. Something like that, and and like I said, it was consistently always funny. Marcy Darcy, but man. That's why I was just going to ask you, what's your favorite, because I, I base it this way, what's your favorite Married with Children, Steve or Jefferson? Jefferson. Jefferson? Yeah. All right. Because, because he was a fucking idiot, but... Well, I'm not saying, like, like that... I'm saying that era of it, because that show became two different shows. You know what I mean? Like, like what era yeah. of it? Like, the Steve... Or the... Like, you know what I mean? Like, when Steve left and then Jefferson came I don't in. know. I don't know. That, that I can't answer... I, I like I like Jefferson. Like I like Jefferson's character more than Steve, because Jefferson and Al were like buddies. <laughs> yes, they, you know I mean? like, and they, Jefferson like, thought Al was funny. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> like Jefferson. Jefferson was like 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 Al would make fun of Marcy, and Steve would get mad and leave with her. But like Jefferson would just be back there, like because <laughs> he was just as big of a sleazeball as Al, you know. Because he was just with her for the money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite... They were both scumballs together, and it was great. I don't know. And, like, their friend... Like I said, like, the Jefferson Al. Like, Jefferson Al were buddies. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Jefferson... But when, like, Al and Steve Steve were, like, rivaling neighbors. Yeah. But, like, (laughs) Jefferson and Al were buddies. (laughs) They form no man together and all that other shit. They just like make fun of their wives. Yeah, that that's might good stuff. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite. All right. So the first one on my list here is um, it's it's one of my favorite five favorite funny shows ever, and it is with all the ones that are out there, my favorite animated comedy ever. And that is King of the Hill. Oh, I just scratched it off my list. King of the Hill is fucking amazing. <laughs> there's never been a bad King of the Hill episode. No, there's not a bad King of the Hill episode. They're all fantastic. And every character's great, too. Every yeah. character. And they all... It's like the entire like prism of what you want in a show. Yes. There's ones you think are funny. There's ones you think are obnoxious. There's ones that, like, you watch the show and you're as uncomfortable as Hank is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, my God. 
Like, if you watch the whole show through Hank, you're just like, oh my god. Like, he's the only sane person in the whole thing. And even the minor characters are funny. Joe Jack, honey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some old top. Or, yeah, yeah he calls Mr. Him old Strick, top, right? Mr. Strickland calls him old top. Yeah, old top. What's up there, old top? Um, Joe Jack calls him honey. It has some of the greatest lines in comedic history, like, uh, Bobby, if you weren't my son, I'd hug you right now. Yeah. Ooh, treasure. <laughs> Just so you I'm know. I'm willing to drink a beer you sat on, but I'm not I'm willing, willing to reach, reach for, for it. it. <laughs> my name is Bobby. I'd like to party. You don't believe me. Watch me rock my body. And you know, that's the funny thing or, is... But, like, Bobby, when he puts the, the coin in the bed, mm-hmm. and starts vib- vibrating, he's like, tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Did you forget about that one? No. <laughs> no, I've watched like, that. In, I've watched that. I've watched that entire series seven times. I don't forget about shit. <laughs> the Halloween episode where she's like screaming fucking bible script scripture at him about halloween he's like get out exodus. of my house exodus, exodus. <laughs> like, like that's the most pissed he's ever been in that entire show like fucking bitch you ain't taking halloween away from me it's you know, it's great and you know what's funny about that show is as much as much as i love every character and and it's not to diminish any character hank dale bill Every character, as much as I love every character in that show, my favorite character in that show is Bobby. Oh yeah, Bobby's great. Bobby's the best character in that show, and and again, like I said, I mean, you're talking about the best character among all good characters. There's not a bad one. So, but yeah, fantastic, King of the Hill. I love Dale. Yeah, like I, I, he's he's probably. Just like lines and stuff, he's probably second to Bobby to me. And, and Hank is funny as fuck. Oh yeah, but his, his character is funny because like he's surrounded by idiots. Yeah, and and his character is funny because he's not like intentionally trying to be funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. But then every once in a while, he like slams something in there. Like when he's like, like Bobby's talking about Weird Al, and he's like, Weird Al committed suicide in the early 1980s because people stopped buying his albums. <laughs> like, he just, like, convinced that Weird Al's dead. Like, or, like, when the real Rust, Rust, like, one of my favorite ones is, like, when the actual, like, Rusty Shackelford comes back. Mm-hmm. Because Dale was convinced that Rusty, Rusty Shackelford died or whatever, so... <laughs> He just started telling people his name was Rusty Shackelford. Rusty Shackelford comes back and he's like, "You've destroyed my credit." <laughs> or what, what about what about the episode where Dale's a bounty hunter with yeah. the uh, the theme from Tham- Sanford and Son? Yeah, it's like, "Dang, all my favorite shows on." It's all good. It's all good shit. Absolutely. So, what's your next pull on this one? Well, I had to scratch that one off my list, and I already talked about Married with Children, so I'm going to go with The Office. The Office. Almost on my list. I'm talking about the American version of The Office. Yes. Both of them are good, but the American yeah, one, I uh, think, is the better. American, it's better. It is. Um, it's probably better to us, because we get American humor better than British humor, because we're not British. But anyway... 
Um, fantastic show. Again, that show doesn't have a bad character. Yeah. Um, and for anyone that works in any kind of an office slash retail corporate environment, there's added humor in little jokes about that stuff. And plus everybody on that show, you work with a person exactly like that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> everybody has a Stanley. Everybody yes. has a Dwight. Everybody has a Creed. <laughs> everybody, everybody has a Jim. Yeah, and a and and a Michael. Oh, Michael Scott. Everybody has a Michael Scott. Michael Scott <laughs> might be hands down one of one of the top five greatest characters in television history. I, I absolutely agree. Like when when he runs Meredith over. <laughs> And she winds up in the hospital, and then it turns out that she has rabies. And he's, he weaves that into her needing to be appreciated, appreciative to him, because if I would have never hit you with the car, you would have never known you had rabies. <laughs> Is one of the best... <laughs> fucking tell like that's one of my favorite fucking episodes in television history is her getting hit by a car and him weaving that logic of being like you're well like basically you're welcome i hit you with the car (laughs) or you would have never known you had rabies and you probably would have died it's fucking fantastic indeed it is or when he burns his foot yes foreman grill because he likes to make bacon and the more like <laughs> like watching Steve Carell like you can tell that they just told Steve Carell, hey, in this episode you're gonna burn your foot with a George Foreman grill. They didn't tell him how to know, react because you're making bacon and you're doing right. like like he is sitting there and just beautifully improvising and making this shit up as he goes along. <laughs> like the, the Michael Scott character is fucking amazing. Most definitely. And that show is the best show ever. I mean, ever at breaking the fourth wall too. Yeah. <clears throat> and you, and, and even though, like I said, you can tell that there's, you can watch this and you can say, Hey, I see this person every day at work. Mm-hmm. Also, look at every not every character, but you can find that one character that you're, you're like, you know what? I feel like I'm that. I'm guy. I'm that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not a 50 year old, oh, like black man with diabetes, <laughs> but I'm. I feel at work that I'm Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been at meetings and just got up and left. <laughs> like I'm done. Just get out and walk out. I just farted. But what's next? So the next on my list, I think, one of the funniest shows of all time is How I Met Your Mother. I like that show. That they show, didn't make my list. but that, that show is, I think that show's so funny. And that show actually has one of my favorite running gags in comedic show history. The Proclaimers? Yes. The Proclaimers 
Five hundred miles single is stuck yeah. in his tape player. It's so funny. It's so funny. And it's funny because they do it on the one episode and then every once in a while they'll just throw it in like they'll get in his car and you forgot about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and then you're like, oh, fuck yeah, the Proclaimers are stuck in his tape player. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, don't know what to say. I was going to try to say, like, it's a very funny show, but they also do very good at. At alleviating the humor, yes, and bringing some seriousness. It like I, I almost did. Like I like that show, but that's why I maybe not put it on like as like my funniest show of all time because they do they do do some serious it. stuff. Yeah, and I don't want to say it's better than it, but it's almost like Friends. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of ways, I think it's better written than Friends. It is. It is. It's 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 a better. You could tell they had a better showrunner than Friends did. Yeah. But yeah. So that's that was the next one on my list. So unless you have anything else on that, we'll roll to yours. Um, the second to last <clears throat> one on my list is, and I don't know if this was cheating or not. But it's not necessarily the entire show, but it's my favorite, like, five years of a show. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it is the Saturday Night Live between 1990 and 1995. I'll give you that one. On this show, just to write down some of the names, Dana Carvey, Chris Farley, Phil Hartman, Kevin Nealon, Chris Rock, Rod, Rob Schneider, Adam Sandler, David Spade, Tim Meadows, Norm MacDonald, um, Sarah Silverman, um, just fantastic people. Jay Moore. I know you don't like Jay Moore, but I like Jay Moore. Just all of these people either wrote or acted or, you know what I mean, or both mm-hmm. on this fucking show. And, and to me, from 1990 to 1995, SNL is fantastic and it's the last great funny era of that show now i mean i don't know a 25 year old might disagree with us they might think yeah snl is like wrestling it's when you were fine when you were actually starting to get a sense of humor Mm -hmm. and and to me like oh the first president that i thought was silly and ridiculous was bill clinton so of course when i look at SNL, I think it's really silly when they make fun of Bill Clinton, you know, and and I enjoyed, like you know, when I look back on it, I enjoy watching some of the stuff with like Belushi and Aykroyd and everything right. like that. Right. But I didn't get all of it because I mm-hmm. just, I wasn't even alive. And then when I was in high school, I enjoyed like the I enjoyed like Will Ferrell. And Jimmy Fallon. I actually liked Jimmy Fallon when he was on SNL. I like Jimmy Fallon in general. Yeah. But, like, I liked the 2000s stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. But there were people on that show that I didn't like at that time. But, like, I think SNL, the the seasons that you dig, and I think a lot of it is five-year gaps, you know. Mm -hmm. It's when you first started realizing... When you first actual shit was funny. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like 
if I, like, if I say like, if, if I say like nine years old, you don't know what the fuck. Well, is. I was just gonna say as an example, listeners, I have a seventeen year old son, and if I go upstairs to my seventeen year old son's room right now and go. You'll be living in a van down by the river. river. He's not going to think it's funny, and I'm going to laugh my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> pick this shit up, or you're going to wind up in a van down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> I would hope he would You laugh. know what I'm going to have to do, Dad? I'm going to have to move in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. He's homeless, so he's going to bunk he's up. Like, he's going to bunk like, up with hey, maybe, maybe you should settle down. Maybe you should scale back a little bit. And then Foley's like, maybe, Dad, you should shut your big yapper. <laughs> you shut your big yapper. <laughs> Funny shit. Uh, Church lady. Shit. Adam Sandler singing on the weekend update. Yeah. See, it's like, yeah, <clears throat> fucking Norm MacDonald oh. doing weekend update. Oh, God. He's my favorite weekend update person of all time. You know, I he's, I know you like Dennis Miller, but he's better than Dennis Miller. I like I I have yes, Norm is great. I then and that's funny too because Weekend Update's so hard for me because it's like you have Dennis Miller, you have Kevin Nealon, you have Norm Macdonald. Um, it's just I don't know. It's it was it was a great era for SNL. It was a fantastic era. Fucking. Um... I love um, caveman attorney at law. <laughs> I don't understand your metal flying eagles. <laughs> and I don't understand your, and I'm not saying exactly what he said, you know, but he's like, your iron horse, your iron buffaloes. <clears throat> Talk about cars. But I do understand that Meredith is not guilty by reason of insanity. <laughs> I'm just a simple caveman. I love fucking caveman attorney at law. I think that's like the most underrated SNL skit ever. <laughs> fucking love it. Or Stuart. Fucking Stuart Small, fucking great. <laughs> God damn, like, like, to me... One of the biggest, like, I know that we lost Chris Farley, and I know we lost Robin Williams, and we lost all John Belushi, and I understand all that, but to me, fucking losing Phil Hartman is it's one like, of the most fucked up, sad things ever happened. To, to since we do do a wrestling podcast, to equivalent it to a wrestling thing, losing Phil Hartman in comedy would be like losing Pat Patterson in wrestling. Yeah, like he is—he was the—he was the straw that stirred the drink, man. Right, that fucking guy. Phil Hartman was fantastic. Just fucking fan. News radio should have been on my fucking list. <laughs> great show. Like, oh, great because it was a because Phil Hartman. And then I think of Lovitz. Lovitz. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah. That's the ticket. That's, that's the, the ticket. ticket. <laughs> the compulsive flyer. Yeah, and when he was what like... What a stick. What a great stick that was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was one where uh, yeah. he was like the, the OBGYN. <laughs> yes. And and, Pat, and and Patrick Swayze was the other one. <laughs> and then he'd go out there and be like, uh, uh, now serving number four. 
and like everybody be like, I'm not number four, you're not number four, eh? no, I'm not number four, and and like they all wanted to go to Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Well, and then there you go, Chris Pat- Farley Wait, and Patrick and Swayze, Bales. fucking Patrick Chris- Swayze. Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, they were great. <laughs> Fucking Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks did his best hosting in that era. It, it was fucking fantastic. Absolutely. So, now I'm going to hit you with this one. Number three on my list. <clears throat> because it does have one of my favorite characters. One of my favorite comedic characters in history. That 70s show. And is that because of Red? It's it, it's every character. That show oh, in, 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 in and of itself is fantastic. But yes, Red Foreman is one of the greatest comedic characters of all time. He's the second best TV dad ever. <laughs> second best TV dad ever. You know what? All right. And I'm going to get this out of the way and then we can discuss more if you want or we don't have to. My two favorite Red Foreman moments. The first one <clears throat> is when Eric is uh, trying to make it with his cousin. You know what I'm talking flipper about? Grandkids. Yeah, I ain't raising no flipper grandkids. Yeah, that's good shit. The other one is, you ever seen the episode? Well, I'm sure you've seen it. But do you remember the episode when Kitty wants everybody to play that game together? You have to remind me. It's like one of those like um, con. She wants to. She wants everybody to sit around and play one of those, car those games where you pull out the card and it's like a conversation starting question. Yeah. Okay. So you know, Kitty's Kitty's all excited about it, and everybody in the room is trying to you know because you know everybody loves Kitty. Yeah. So everybody's trying to make her happy and play along with the game, and everybody gets humorous answers or whatever. But she pulls out this card, and she goes, If you were a bird, what would you do right now? And Red says, (laughs) If I was a bird, I'd fly into the ceiling fan. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my... It's one of my favorite lines of all time because everybody's trying to be so nice and play this game with Kitty and Red just gives her that answer and it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> and play the anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, overall that show's great. I mean, from, I mean, I don't know that there's a bad character. I mean, uh, other than the last two years. Where they had to fill in characters and had those cheesy characters and shit that yeah. I don't care about. But the the main cast of that show and the main premise of the show, like the first like four or five, six years, um, great characters, great writing. Um I, I love that show. I think it's That's great. great. <laughs> you know, Eric, you better watch out. You know how that ass hat makes That's you how make your hair look. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Red's my second favorite TV dad. Um, he's got great lines. There were like a couple in my head that I was thinking about and they just kind of drifted away. But, um, like there's not a bad character on that show either. Everybody's funny on it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I like. I don't want to sound like a perv, but it's like it brought Mila Kunis into our lives. And she's <laughs> fantastic. And and like I said, like red, like the well, only I'm, dad, I'm, I'm, the I'm only a, dad, huh? I'm a redhead guy, as you know, so I'll say Donna too. So yeah, oh yeah, don't get me wrong, but like the only dad better than Red Foreman is is Dan Connor. Yeah, and that's it. And they're probably the most realistic dads, <laughs> for sure. Like, like if you took Dan Connor, like if you took the fifty percent of Dan Connor and the fifty percent of like like the fifty percent of how much Dan loved his children and the fifty percent of how much like Red just despised his children <laughs> and like put them together, that would be like everybody's dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's he like Red just has amazing lines throughout the entire show. Absolutely. So check out that seventies show if you haven't seen it, youngins. So how many more do you have left? I only have one more left. Okay. And it is the Larry Sanders show. So good. Yes. Hey now. It's fantastic. I'm not going to talk too much about it because there's so much to talk about it. But like What's your favorite moment in Larry Sanders? Just pick a moment, because I have one. Oh, what's yours? Warren Zevon. Oh, where he tells him, like, hey, here's Warren Zevon <laughs> playing Werewolves of London. <laughs> yes. Fuck me. Fuck me. That is so fucking funny. Like, that is, like, the greatest punchline <laughs> The whole okay, That's folks. I want to play it. If you haven't seen the show, okay. <laughs> Larry Sanders hosts a late night talk show like a Jay Leno or or Jimmy Fallon, and Warren Zevon. <laughs> Warren Zevon comes to be on his show, and he talks about the entire episode. Like I think they have like three conversations about the fact that he does not want to play Werewolves of London. And Larry's like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. You're going to play something off your new album, blah, blah, blah. And then they get to the the live recording of the show, and Larry Sanders says, and here to perform his his hit, Werewolves of London, and fucking Warren Zevon gives him this look before he rambles on into one of the greatest renditions of Werewolves of London you've ever heard. It is so funny. Like, that is one of my favorite moments in television history. That is so funny. One of my, like, I have, like, <laughs> it, it's funny shit. God. There's, uh, there's one where um, it's an on-running bit, but David Duchovny, David Duchovny, <laughs> just wants to be friends with Larry. <laughs> but... Larry thinks Duchovny's gay and is like hitting on him <laughs> because like one day they're sitting in the ho- like Duchovny's hotel and Duchovny's wearing like a like a hotel bathrobe and he like like he has his legs crossed and he uncrosses them and like his, his dongs out or whatever and, and Larry just thinks like David Duchovny just has this like 
gay crush on him, and Duchovny just wants to be buddies. So there's like this on-running bit that Larry just thinks David Duchovny wants to have sex with him. That's funny. One of my favorite ones is um, the Hank sex tape. Yes. Because you, you don't see the sex tape, but one of the lines is um, um, Jeffrey Tamborn going, Ho-ho, you're a naughty girl. You need to wash your mouth out with Hank. <laughs> and this is so gross. <laughs> and then there's like the one where like, uh, Piven, he's playing uh, Jerry, the head writer, and he just keeps like bringing chicks onto the set and like having sex with them in different spots, <laughs> like on the set. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, uh, and then there's one where Alec, like, another good one is Alec Baldwin's on there, and Alec Baldwin has slept with like Larry's ex, and um. Alec Baldwin goes on the show and he's like, like, like Larry's just super like insecure about the fact that this like handsome Alec Baldwin has like had sex with his ex-wife and Baldwin's not even worried about it. And like, he's on there and Alec's like, Larry, me and you have something in common. And he's like talking about this charity they did. And Larry's like, yeah, we, we, we both had sex with my (laughs) ex-wife. And, like, the whole audience goes, like, oh. But one of my favorite things is, like, Artie, who's a great character. hmm Who, like, I know you were talking about Stanley, but in actual work, like, <laughs> when I'm in charge, I feel like I'm Artie. But anyway, like, Larry's like, I just couldn't, like, Artie's like, why'd you bring that up? And he's like, I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I was just thinking of, like, Alec with my wife, and she's on top, and Artie's like, lazy bastard. <laughs> Cracks me up. <laughs> great but show. The whole, the whole fucking show is great. And Gary Shandling is in the same list of what I put, like, a Phil Hartman, that that guy not being around. It's, it's sad for great. comedy. Yes. Like, it's not on the Larry Sanders show, but when he's like, fuck you, Mr. Stark. Fuck you. <laughs> on the Iron Man movies. Yes. <laughs> Speaking like, of... Like, he's so great as that. Like, because I'm not a bit... You know me. I'm not a big superhero movie fan. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the Dark Knight trilogy and all that, but that's, like, my favorite thing about Iron Man is Tony Stark and this, like, congressman that Gary Shandling play just fucking hate each other. Fuck you, Mr. Stark. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you, Mr. Stark. <clears throat> You're gonna feel a little prick, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next on my list, speaking of not being around, sad to say, 99.9% of this cast is not around anymore. Some of the funniest people that ever lived that did one of the funniest sitcoms ever made. That is The Golden Girls. Oh, The Golden Girls is great. That uh, that almost, honestly, I scratched them off to put the SNL deal on there. Yeah. I, I, I don't... Watch a savage show. Yes, like, absolutely. Like, oh, this guy's savage. 
It's like, no. Fucking... Estelle Getty's pretty goddamn savage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they said. Yes. May the bags under your eyes grow so big <laughs> that your <laughs> that your eyeballs fall into them. <laughs> like they just, it was like twenty five minutes of just insults. You you sit down. You can sit down. A okay. You're gonna have to convince them my listeners you're going to have to convince them but you sit down a 15 16 17 year old kid and you start making them watch this show with these old ladies in it and at first they're going to roll their eyes and by the time a half an hour is gone they're going to be laughing their fucking ass off oh that's great and like there's a scene where um Rose and Dorothy, like in the episode, they're feuding with you, and it's not even a verbal thing, but like Dorothy <laughs> has the orange juice, and is. Rose goes, "Is there any orange juice left?" And Dorothy <laughs> just dumps the rest of it in her cup and goes, "Nope." <laughs> Thanks for the Medicare, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, a hip that finally healed. <laughs> But the insults on that show are fucking fantastic. Yes. I, like, if I'm going to pick, like, if I'm going to cherry pick moments in that show, I want to cherry pick moments where they're sitting around that kitchen table. You know? Just like, ripping on each yes, other. Yes, just ripping on each other. God damn it. It's so funny. Like, a show that I know people are going to be like, oh, Aaron, like, this show. You know me, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't care if something's like, you know, whatever. I know for a fact what when I used to watch the show because I enjoyed it, the people that wrote Will and Grace mm-hmm. fucking loved the Golden Girls. They had to. Because that's all Will and Grace is. Yes. It's 25 minutes of just <laughs> insults. from people with fucking insults. <laughs> and they're all great. You know what I mean? And that's how Golden Girls was. Yep. And it, it's a funny fucking show. And, and it is the only show that I can remember that our grandma, when we would be like, like that was like required watching for her. And we would watch it with her and we'd all just laugh. Yeah, everybody. Every generation. Fucking loves <laughs> it. I sat at work. This is no lie. At work the other day. I didn't want to leave for lunch, so I went and sat down in the break room with the people that work, some of the people that work for me, and that show was on the air, and we just laughed. <laughs> it never, it, it was, it's never not funny, right? Exactly, and it's never dated. It's never out of style. The Golden Girls is fantastic. So the last one on my list. And uh, it is my favorite comedy show of all time. Um, Like I said, everything else was in in non-sequential order. But number one for me, my favorite go-to sitcom, my favorite go-to comedy show is Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. I know you do. Um, And may hit and miss guy in Seinfeld. Yeah, I know. I I just I I think that Seinfeld is 
I, my two favorite characters in the show. And I think that I don't know if they were, I watched it. And to be honest, folks, I've probably watched the entire series about eight times all the way through. So you know how it is. Once you get to watching something for the fourth, fifth, sixth time in a row or all the way through, you start to analyze the show. And I sometimes wonder if you have you have two you have two different ends of the spectrum in personality on that show because you have Jerry and you have Kramer. And Jerry looks at everything in a sarcastic, cynical the world's out to don't trust anybody kind of kind of feel. And and Kramer's really very um um what's the word I'm looking for? Um aloof. Yes. He's he's very trusting. He's very aloof. He thinks that you know it, it, this scheme is going to work or what have you. And Jerry's very uh, those two are like the, the 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 epitome of that show and in between you've got you know you've got Elaine's neuroticism and you've got fucking um uh George's insanity. And See, I fucking hate Elaine. I hate that character. Really? Yes. <laughs> like Elaine dancing even? Because that's really funny. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> like if I met that person, that character, I'd be like, I fucking hate you. Is, but okay. So we'll, <laughs> we'll cast Elaine to the side. Can we both agree... That Jerry Stiller, as George Stiller's great, as George's dad, is one of the funniest characters ever. Oh, he's great with his TV guides and all that <laughs> shit. That's fun stuff. And I like, I like, I like Jerry's parents. Mm-hmm. They're funny. I like, I like George. Um, shit, Kramer does is funny. That episode where he went off on black people—that was weird. <laughs> Other than that, my you know. my favorite Kramer thing is the the movie phone thing. Yeah, why right. don't you tell me what movie? Why don't you tell that, me what movie? Like, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> not every single episode cracked me up, but what it did, it did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then I'd watch episodes where I'm like, I I don't think this episode's funny. I love that show. And like I said, fucking Elaine. Fucking hate that character. Yeah, we fucking hate it. We we part ways on. I I like Elaine. I I don't know. I like that whole show. And and like I said, like Aaron said, we we part. We kind. Not that Aaron doesn't think that Seinfeld is funny, but Aaron does not like, like think that like Seinfeld my, is nearly as funny as I do. Like my Seinfeld would be Friends. Okay. Like your and I love ensemble, friends. I, lo- I love like, Friends too. Like your ensemble New York. Yeah. Comedy would be friends. But I just there there's stuff that they do in Seinfeld and I'm just like I don't I don't think this is funny. <laughs> now Elaine's boss at Jay Peterman. Yes. He's funny. <laughs> but he's funny. High five. <laughs> I, like that guy's great. And Jerry just like, why are you with this fucking <laughs> meathead you know that's good shit but like i said like that like honestly that might be the thing that 
I just I like I can't get completely behind this fucking show because I cannot stand Elaine. Elaine. And it might also be the fact that I can't fucking stand Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, there it is. I like her brother. Is her brother actually Richard Dreyfus? I don't know. They have the same last name, right? Maybe it's her uncle. I don't know. Oh. They're probably not really even related, but probably, I just I don't not. like her and I don't like her character. So there it is. I think we covered some great comedic shows there. And you have a bonus topic. You ready to get boned? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I was trying to make it like a, like a 90s like drive time radio. <laughs> Who are thing. these people? No, like a radio like No. Radio boned. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, were you ready to get boned? With wiener in the butt. Wiener in the butt. <laughs> Bauga. Bauga. I'm Denny Schaefer. Kush <laughs> Schaefer. And you don't have to. We don't have to elaborate on these a lot because it's getting. Getting into semi-sonic time, closing time. We gotta... Get, getting late in recording yes. time. Yeah, we're getting to closing time here on the uh, We Can't Wrestle podcast. But this is your little bonus feature here. Yes. And um, it's not going to be very long, but I'm just going to end the way we'll conduct this is i'll say what i think it is and if you have anything to elaborate you can if not i want you to counteract five more of them next week okay okay so i've picked um five my top five missed opportunities in professional wrestling interesting okay so number one is something we talked about a little bit earlier, like half-ass talked about a little earlier, was Bret Hart and WCW. Oh, yeah, missed it by a mile. Yeah, Bret should have been out there the the day they were, f- like, waving the flags and all that. That shouldn't have been them waving the flags. That should have been Bret Hart coming out there and legitimately shooting a promo on Vince McMahon, and he would have been came the biggest baby face in professional wrestling. And the biggest the biggest missed opportunity there to me is how do you how do you as a booker not say from the minute that you signed Bret Hart in 1997 that the main event of Starcade 98 is going to be Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, you can't say 97 because you're building to Sting, and I get that. You know what I mean? Like, I forgave yeah. that. But how do you not start from Starcade 97 
1997, not now, not looking back on things and the way they wound up, but at that very time, how are you not building to either one of the two, Bret Hart and Hogan or Bret Hart and Sting for Starcade 98? Yep. And you've just killed your fucking company. You just showed us why you went out of business. Pretty much. Yes. So I absolutely agree. And then the next missed opportunity on my list is the way WWF handled purchasing WCW. That's a half and half for me. And here's why I say that. There was a lot of talent that they could not get. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, if that was the case, then they should have never tried to say, oh, WCW's coming in. You know what I mean? Right. Wait two years and do like, an invasion later. Yeah, like, let Shane go. I've purchased WCW. And then for, like, the next, like, six months, eight months, nine months, every once in a while, Shane shows up. And it's like coming to WCW, coming to the rebranded WCW is Kevin Nash. Right. Yeah, they you did. Know, they absolutely, they absolutely did fuck it up. Or if I they think, weren't going to do that, if they if they weren't going to do that, they should have just bought it and did nothing with it. Yeah. Um. Anything else on that? No. Other than, like I said, I mean, I agree with you that that they they I agree with you and what they should have done. And I think that I can see from their point of view at the time like they wanted to strike while the iron was hot. Um but they really should have let it build because I think it could have been a bigger deal cuz like I said I mean and this is no res- disrespect to this talent at all but when your WCW invasion consists of like DDP and Lance Storm, and like the and night no offense they, to those guys, and the night after they bought it, it was like Stacy Keebler and the the fucking natural born thrillers like in the cheap seats, right? So yeah, yeah, it was stupid, definitely. Um, next one is Jake Roberts in WCW. Bill Watts, who I respect and I think had good ideas at certain points in his career and everything. If, and I know people can say what they want to say about Jake Roberts, but if what Jake Roberts says is true, Bill Watts let personal feelings interfere with business and Jake Roberts could have done a lot more in WCW than what they did. Yes. Like, Bill Watts fucked that up. I agree. Anything on that? No, no. I mean, nothing to elaborate on it, just that I do agree with you. Like, I think that, especially at that time, they needed top really good heels. And Jake could have been most definitely, most definitely one of those heels. And I don't know why I think this, but what I think would have been really awesome is not necessarily this person with him wrestling, but this person's just with him. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I'm... You probably don't know who I'm thinking about, but I think it would have been, like, super cool 
if like Jake Roberts was managed by Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that it would be cool, like, because they were kind of building to it. But if you could add a stable with like Jake, Cactus Jack, and Barbarian managed by Sullivan. Awesome shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the second to last one, unless you had anything else on that. Nope. Was Vader in WWF, and I know we've talked about that a lot before yes, in the past. Absolutely. Vince McMahon fucked that up kind of the same way that Bill Watts messed up Jake and WCW Mm -hmm. he had this predetermined notion of the guy and was just like the minute he got in there was just like I don't fucking like him I don't want anything to do with him and so fuck him the only thing Vince did different was keep him around and keep paying him it's the only thing Vince did different Mm mm-hmm and the last one on my list is something that I think, and it's not the WWS fault. It's somewhat the other guy in in the um, in the in what could have been a great feuds fault is I think it is a missed opportunity that we never got a actual long uninterrupted rockers feud. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like I and I and, and what made me think about it was I just what I'm doing this deal where I'm watching every single pay per view from the '90s and picking the greatest match from that show or the best match from that show, and then I'm gonna eliminate and do all, and eventually I'm gonna have what I think is the best 100 North American pay per view matches of the '90s. So I just watched WrestleMania 8 and Sean wrestles Tito, which is great. And and it's fantastic. But I'm watching this match and I'm like, this should be Marty Jannetty. Right. And I think that they could have had from like 92 to 93. That should have been a year, year and a half long feud. And it was just hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. Because either WWF had different ideas of what they wanted to do, or Marty was fucked up, or nothing worked out. I, I just think that's like a. I think them breaking up could have been ten times better than what it was if everybody would have got on the same page and had a clear idea of what they wanted to do. I agree. Um, okay. And and you know it's. It, you look at the talent of the two guys, and yes, definitely. If you look back back in that time period, that should have been, I mean, heads and tails above what we wound up seeing. Absolutely. Yes. But that's the last one. All right. So next week you can counter out with counteract with five of your missed opportunities. I shall, and I'll actually you doing your list help me because Marty and Sean would definitely have been on my list so I'll just scratch that off there and move along alright so that being said unless you have anything else you'd like to say on the show we're going to sign off I don't have anything else to say I'm going to roll some bye bye tootsie you ain't heard nothing you want to hear tootsie
Who doesn't want to hear Tootsie? Play two two Tootsie, three chorus, you understand? And the third chorus, I whistle. Now give it to him hard and heavy. Go right ahead. Yeah, when I restart playing that, you cut out a lunch. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. On my side, you do. I'm just listening to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for joining us on another edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And Nate and Aaron here with you, and uh, Kyle is still alive. He's just in rehab. <laughs> he's in, he's doing something over there. Over there. But he will be back soon. I promise. And I'm going to ask him these fucking questions. We got him off the gap. We had to <laughs> yes. put him in rehab to get him off the gap. <laughs> we are going to see you on next week's show. And um, next week's show will be a pay-per-view review. Are you ready for this one? Are you ready to pack a lunch? Just so you know, Aaron, next week's show, you and I are going to review a pay-per-view. And that pay-per-view is... WrestleMania 4. It's like eight hours. (laughs) Something similar. With that being said... We're going to say goodbye for this week, and we will join you next week with a review of WrestleMania 4 on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Have a good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us.